I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the first episode of season five of the Editing Podcast. And it's great to be back. Yes, it is. Yeah. And what better way to start a podcast than talking about audio? Exactly. And I know we've talked before about the different ways in which authors might use um, audio for book promotion. But what we didn't tackle in detail was why it's such a great medium for editors and proofreaders too. Which is exactly what we're going to focus on in this episode. So the first thing we want to reiterate is that audio content has never been more popular. Publishers recognise this, and so do independent authors. You only have to look at the size of the audiobook market Mm. to get your head around this. Yeah, and so we're going to give our freelance editor and proofreader listeners a list of tips and tools so that anyone who wants to introduce this medium into their business workflow can get a sense of what needs to be considered. Yeah. So shall we start by reviewing the advantages of audio as an awareness tool? (laughs) Listen to you. (laughs) Awareness tool. Is that some weak attempt to avoid saying the word marketing, Denise? (laughs) Maybe, Miss Harnby. Yes, just maybe. (laughs) We don't want our editorial pals who are nervous about marketing switching off during the first episode because they're thinking, oh, here they go again. (laughs) Fair enough. Awareness tool it is. So we're going to highlight five advantages here. And the first is that audio takes up less bandwidth than video. And what that means is that, that, that it's more stable during recording and less likely to buffer during playback. And if, like me, you live in the back of beyond in a teeny tiny hamlet in the Norfolk countryside, that is a good thing. <laughs> yes, I remember us trying to record an episode for, um, I think it was the first season. And at that point, we thought we'd video them too. And we, we had to ask your husband to stop watching Game of Thrones on Netflix or Amazon or whatever, because you kept dropping out. <laughs> exactly. Though I'll have you know that we have super fast broadband now. So providing the East Coast wind isn't knocking out the power lines, we're almost as digitally competent as you lot up in Glasgow. <laughs> you may have worse gales, but we've still got more rain. That's true. <laughs> and yes, all you listeners on the West Coast of the, the United States, This is how British people bicker about the weather. (laughs) But we digress. So the second advantage is is to do with the environment, but the one on your desktop. Right, yes. More specifically, um, our websites. So audio files are physically smaller than video, and that means that when they're hosted natively, they're less likely to slow down our websites. So do you want to explain, Denise, what you mean by natively? Because that issue comes up a lot when we're talking to those who've not played with audio or video before. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. So by natively, I mean that you upload the file directly onto your website. Now, video files are chunky and they can slow your site down, whereas audio files are much smaller. And so if you do want to host natively, that's less likely to happen. And that um, the alternative is to let a third party host the audio natively and just embed the code on your web page. So here's a little visual metaphor to illustrate the difference between native and embedded hosting. So imagine Denise stands in a room and lifts a bottle of gin up in the air. Oh, my God. (laughs) Bear with me. We're about the same size, me and Denise, so I stand in front of her and hold my arm up in exactly the same position. And now it looks like I am holding the gin, but in fact she is. You just can't see her because I'm in the way. It's like a sort of Trump loy. 
what a way to start the new season. <laughs> We're only a few minutes in and you've already introduced gin. Anyway, um, I'll go with that. So yes, in, in that analogy, I'm hosting the gin natively, so to speak, but you're embedding it. And what it boils down to is that I'm doing all the work, but you're getting all the glory. Nicely done, Louise. Just the way I like it. <laughs> but that's exactly the way embed code works, isn't it? Yes, it actually is. So the next advantage of audio is that our voices are unique brand identifiers that give listeners a sense of who we are beyond the words we write and edit. And that's really important because unless we've worked with a client before, we're asking someone to trust us without ever having met us and hand over money. Now, that's a huge ask. It is. And I think that's a really important thing you just said there about trust. And it's easy to forget if you're an editor who's feeling frustrated because you don't have as many people commissioning you as you'd like. And sometimes it's because your website isn't giving potential clients a deep enough sense of who they'll be working with. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, if I walked into a shop to buy a new computer, but no one showed me their face or let me hear their voice, and instead insisted on having a conversation with me from behind a wall, I reckon I'd be less likely to buy from them. And it's not so different with editing. Our clients-to-be want to know who we are, and so letting them hear our voices is a really good initial trust builder. Exactly. So the next advantage is that audio is a fabulous accessibility tool that allows us to communicate with a diverse audience. Not everyone can see. And just because a client can't see doesn't mean they aren't involved with words, education and publishing and seeking good fit editorial assistance for that journey. That's so true. Plus, not everyone wants to look, mm -hmm. but we'll talk about that in a minute when we look at the different ways editors and proofreaders can make audio work for them. But our final advantage is still related to what can be seen, because the fact is this, when it comes to creating audio, no one will know if we're creating it in our pyjamas. <laughs> Have you ever edited in your pyjamas, Louise? Never. But that's not because I think editing in my pyjamas is unprofessional or puts me in the wrong mindset or doesn't create a clear separation between the bedroom and the office. It's because my desk is about two metres from the front door and I don't want the window cleaner or postie seeing me in my gym jams. But you're right. The fact that we're unseen when we create audio does make it less intimidating uh, an option, I think, for editors who want to make a personal connection but who fear video. Yeah, it really does. And while it can feel a little nerve wracking when you're starting out, I think it's a much more accessible medium than video for precisely that reason. So shall we look at the kit you need? Because it really isn't much, is it? Not at all. So in addition to your computer, you'll need a headset. So something like a mic with headphones. And it doesn't need to be an extravagant piece of kit that involves some mic that costs hundreds of pounds, like a Blue Yeti. She is referring to a mic, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> not a big hairy thing. No. So, some, so something um, like uh, Microsoft's live chat series will be perfectly good enough. I think it was about 40 quid, 60 quid, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I use a Sennheiser USB headset, which was under 40 quid. And, and that works absolutely fine for me. And the other thing you'll need is free. But, and Louise and I can attest to this, it's a little hard to summon when you first start. And that's courage. 
Do you remember the first episode we created? <laughs> I was so nervous. Oh, I know. Me too. Yeah. And it's weird because we had each other, which definitely mm -hmm. made it easier. But we were really anxious about hitting that record button. Yeah. But the thing I also remember is that it didn't take us long to get into the swing of it. It didn't really. Yeah. And now it seems easy. As long as one of us doesn't get the giggles. <laughs> but even that's always good for the blooper reels. <laughs> Hear that? That's the power of repurposing. I love you for saying that. But it's true. Never ever throw anything away. Most content can be used somehow exactly. or other. Exactly. Even the stuff that's been edited out. So let's talk about three options for recording. So the first is Audacity. And that's a free open source recording and editing software. And if you're doing a solo show, you can record directly into it. If you're doing a double or triple hander, you can record elsewhere like we do and just edit in Audacity. Now, the thing about Audacity is that it does feel a bit like some NASA interface when you first look at it. But we've got a course coming out about creating audio content, including podcasts. And we'll walk you through that step by step. Oh, yes, yes. Well done for remembering to mention that. So it's called the Audible Editor, and we're aiming to get this out in the first quarter of next year. And I'm so excited about creating that with you. I, me too. <laughs> and that's something we should have mentioned in the advantages, actually, because audio is ripe for collaboration, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I know we put a lot of work into the editing podcast, but it really doesn't feel like work because it's such good fun because we're doing it together. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'd really recommend considering a double hander if you're thinking about extending your audio offering as far as podcasting. Yeah, agreed. So two other ways you can record are in Zoom or Skype. Most of you are probably familiar with either of those um, free online audio conferencing platforms. They're easy to use and reasonably stable and reliable. So now let's talk about three options for hosting. So the first is your website. And here you can either upload the files directly, what we called native hosting earlier, or you can embed the source code from another platform, which takes up less space but it has a small cost to it. Yeah, so that's the second option and it's what we do. Um, we use a specialist audio distribution platform. Now paid for options include Libsyn and Captivate and these are ideal for editors who are committed to regular broadcasting. We've tried both, but we think Captivate has a more user-friendly interface. Yes, and it's very intuitive. However, for those of you who want to dip your toes in the water or just dabble with audio content now and then, SoundCloud offers three free hours of audio content. And a third option is YouTube. If you have an existing channel, you can upload audio content there. You'll need to convert it to MP4 format and create a thumbnail image too. Um, we do that too because, well, why not? Yep. If YouTube's where a potential listener is hanging out and since it doesn't cost anything to upload there, we think it makes sense. Yeah. So now let's move on to the six goals we think editors and proofreaders can achieve with audio. And the first is to welcome. So we talked about this earlier. But audio allows us to introduce ourselves to our website visitors using our unique voices, just like we do if we met someone on the street. It's a really personal and engaging way to say hello. Yeah, it's that trust thing. And that feeds into the second, which is to share knowledge. So editors who solve clients' problems get attention and build trust. And we can use audio to answer the questions they're asking, just as we do in our blogs. We can even repurpose existing blog content in audio form. 
Now, this is something we said we'd return to. It's that aspect of seeing and how audio respects that not all potential clients want to get their questions answered in the same way. And what audio does is consolidate this by giving written information in an alternative format that respects different preferences. Yeah, so think about the client who's been staring at a screen all day. They might enjoy hearing our voice while we narrate an editorial report or critique, for example, or listening to a podcast version of blog content. Yeah. How many editors have we heard saying that they love words on a page, but after five hours of staring at them, it's a relief to have other ways <laughs> of listening to our stuff rather than reading it? A lot of them. A lot. That's true. Yeah. So the third goal we can achieve with audio is to educate what editors do is sometimes misunderstood and undervalued. Um, we can use audio to explain what we do and how it will help potential clients, thereby raising the profile of the profession. And that's good for our clients and good for us. Exactly right. Our penultimate goal with our audio content is to promote. We can make our editorial businesses more visible by sharing our audio content on social media. Just as with GIFs and videos, audio is something a little different that gets us noticed. Definitely. And given that so much of what we all post is text and static images, it really does stand out. So the sixth thing we can achieve with audio is to assist and with something very specific. So do people ever stumble over how to pronounce your name? Well, in July 2020, LinkedIn solved this problem with a new feature that allows users to upload short audio clips via its Android and iOS apps. Yeah, so give it a try and record yourself pronouncing your own name. I haven't got around to doing it yet, but I will. Me neither, but I'm going to do it too. Why not? It's free. So to wrap up, let's talk about five ways to make audio more interesting. So the first option is to use images. If you're hosting on your website, link the file to an image that includes a headline explaining the nature of your content. Yeah, option two is to include a call to action. Website visitors are more likely to listen if you tell them to. Mm. Actually, website visitors are more likely to do anything if you tell them to. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Calls to action every time. So another way to make audio more interesting is to add music. Um, in Computech, have I said that right? Is it on, in Computech? I think, I think so, yeah. yeah. In Computech, for example, um, provides free snippets from a range of genres under Creative Commons licenses. Yeah. Now, our penultimate interest grabber is a transcript. Now, this is time consuming, but it acknowledges that even though audio is compelling, sometimes people want to read. So if you're not repurposing one of your blog posts, consider making your script available or creating and editing a transcript. Yes, do edit it. Some absolute horrors can creep in. And while you might make your audience chortle, it's a distraction if your accent renders the mundane into the profane. Mm, yes. Now, finally, how about creating video from audio? Use an app like Headliner to create audiograms that are animated with waveforms. This makes them more appealing to YouTube and social media audiences. Yeah, I love that tool. Yeah. So that's it. Um, the, the thing is this, audio content is now showing up in the search engines. And that means those of us who use it to solve problems and engage with clients and colleagues, increase awareness about ourselves and the profession we love. Exactly. And it really is great fun. And very, very few editors are doing it, which mm -hmm. means it's standout. 
So that's it for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. You can rate, review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you prefer. Yeah, thanks so much for listening to the Editing Podcast. She's been Denise. And she's been Louise. Join us again soon. Bye-bye. Bye.